Matthew chapter 25, so you can turn there or we'll have it up on the screens. It's a pretty solid group of songs there. Uh, I hope it's good for you to continue to just sing and be together uh, as the, um, the flood recovery continues, you know, it's still going and going and going and um, you know, God's been doing a lot of, of really amazing things in our midst, and some of them we're aware of, and that's pretty cool uh, to know that there's all kind of unseen things happening as well. So last Sunday was, was the first gathering we had after the, after the water started to go down, and, um, or started to go down. It still wasn't down for most of the week in some places, but uh, so we, we opened the mic up and let some people come and just share some things. And, um, Tonight we're not going to do that. Uh, now it's my turn to talk a little bit. And um, I have been just really praying and asking God to help help just cast a vision for what this is all about. In terms of uh, the city of Baton Rouge, the surrounding communities, um, this changes everything forever, honestly. Uh, and not not in a way that Katrina changed some parts of South Louisiana and South Mississippi, because some of those have just have never bounced back for different reasons. And there may be some that may be the case in some places, but uh, this this is not the kind of thing that just it happened and then we got over it. You know, it's it's huge, and the the church responding is. Um, it's something that has to be a natural progression and a natural part of what happens whenever there are disasters like this. That, that the church is the one still there when the news media stops and when some progress is made and that kind of stuff. The church should shine. That when people come face to face and they experience in a real way the fact that our earth is broken... When that impacts communities the way that it has, uh, Jesus responds through his word, through his presence, through creation, and especially through his bride. And so I've been asking God to just kind of like give us an orientation and some sort of direction as a church for what we're supposed to do now that we uh, have kind of been through that initial, you know, kind of like what in the world's going on kind of stuff. Um, so Matthew 25 is something that I kind of have just can't get away from. There's a, no, a number of places. I'm just going to go here. Let's, let's read this parable uh, together, starting in verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. His master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have, not, where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has taken him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so it takes a dark turn at the end, all right? So that's not really where this is headed, so if you're nervous about that. Um, this, this concept is something, and this concept in this passage is something that's just kind of been in my head and in my heart a lot. Um, so I kind of want to take this parable and show you what I am sensing God kind of wants us to, to do with it in regard to the Living Hope Fellowship, like, flood response going forward from this point. Um, so I'm just going to kind of go slowly through it and show you a couple of things. First, look at verse 14. So he talks about, so it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey. The it there is the kingdom of God. That's what uh, we see in the first part of chapter 25. So this whole thing is showing us what the kingdom of God looks like in real life. That's what the whole story, that's the point of the story um, going forward. So it says that he called his servants and he entrusted to them his property. Entrusted to them his property. So in terms of the parable itself, uh, the, the property is like these are the things that he owns and treasures. So a talent is uh, it's, it's money. It's, one talent is like 20 years wages. So when he gives five talents to this one person, he's talking about 100 years wages. That's a lot of money for most people. Um, the two talents, the same thing, the one talent, that. So in terms of like, what's the thing with the talents, how are we supposed to think about that? Uh, it's just kind of one of those weird translation things into English where you hear talent, you don't think money. But if we can think money, that's what he entrusted to them. And this was something that the, the master owned and he treasured and it was very important to him. And he entrusted this money to these servants Basically said, hey, I want you to take care of this while I'm away. So I'm going on this journey. I don't know how long I'll be. Here, here's what I treasure and value in life. I want you to steward it. I want you to oversee it. I want you to take care of it. I want you to do with it what I would do if I was here. But I'm going away. 
So basically, you be me with the, in regard to this money for the next however long. And when I come back, you know, we'll see what happens. So that's the parable. So wh- how do we transfer that to now? Well, I think that the equivalent for like what has been entrusted, and it's not property, and it's not money, it's the people of our city and our region. That we have been entrusted with these people that God treasures and are valuable to him. And he has said, look, I'm, I've gone away, that Jesus is bodily away from us right now. So he's saying, here, I'm going to entrust these communities to you. You do what I would do if I was bodily present. You just do those same things. And then he's going to come back. And that's going to be awesome. But until then, that is what is happening. Is he is saying, here, here's what I treasure most. Do what I would do if I were there in person. So he is entrusted to us, his bride, the people that he values the most. And we have to see this whole flood event as something entrusted to us to steward while he's away. I know that's really difficult for those of you who have had to gut your houses and put a lot of your stuff by the road and have cried and and had to, to work through all that. I understand that it's easy for me, who didn't lose my house, to say, come on, guys, it's just a stewardship issue. Believe me, I don't say that lightly or carelessly. My parents flooded. I helped carry their stuff to the road all week long, uh, sat with them while they cried. I understand a little bit, even though it didn't happen to me first person. So I hope that you don't hear me being insensitive when I say that this is something that we are called to steward as kingdom citizens. Um, God, like all, all of creation is his. So All those houses, all those possessions, all those treasured items that people tell you, oh, it's just stuff. It's not just stuff. You know, some of it's just stuff, but a lot of it is like, it carries a lot of meaning to you. God cares about all of it. He cares about every single bit of it. And he wants it all to be stewarded well. And so we have to let Jesus align our perspective with his about this whole thing. And what has happened and what is happening now and what's going to happen in the weeks and the months ahead. We just need to be on the same page with him because he is dialed in to what's happening here. And you're dialed in too. We're all kind of like sitting there being like, okay, what happens next? And I think him breathing life into that is very important. Look at verse 15. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Um, let, me, let me say, uh, let me just kind of set this up this way. Um, God has prepared everyone to deal with whatever it is that he entrusts to you. So in this parable, the servant that got five talents had been prepared to steward five talents. And two talents and one talent. It doesn't mean that the guy, I'm going to assume that they're guys, just because, you know, that the guy that got five is better than the guy that got two. And they're both better than the guy that got one. That's not the right assumption. The master knew who is prepared for five or prepared for two or prepared for one. Now, maybe the guy that's prepared for two, he could have handled five. But at that precise time and that precise moment, the master knew what was best. 
and handed down the stewardship items, the talents, based on all that. So don't get hung up on on the details of that too much. Just just kind of like let this rest. If you have been entrusted with something, you are ready for that something. If you've been entrusted with it, you're ready for it. Okay? So to those of you who have who your house is flooded, I'm really sorry. You know? Like it's it's I'm just sorry. None of us are uh Happy about what has happened. No one who's been like, man, you know, I just think it's a really good thing. No, everybody. It's it's terrible. But you can handle this. All of you who have been displaced because your house got water in it, you can handle it. Because he's been preparing you for this all along. There are times when you think, I don't know if I can do this, but you can there are probably decisions you're having to make. There are, are unknowns that are out there. And there are times when you probably wonder, like, how much do I have left in me? You got it all left in you. You do. He's been preparing you. You're more than ready for the challenges of the, what you've been through and what's happening now and what's coming your way. Because he's reconciled you to the Father through Christ. He's given you his spirit. He's given you the scriptures. He's given you his church. He's given you gifts. He's given you all the things that you need for life and for godliness. You literally could not be more equipped to walk through this. It might not feel that way, but that's the reality. So I would encourage you, especially, to sit down and to pinpoint his strategic leadership in your life leading up to this point. Make a list. I love a good bullet point. Put some bullet points in there. Write it in your Bible. Put it in your wallet. Somewhere there where you're going to see it when you forget. But his leadership in your life has been strategic and on point. And we're with you. Because you're cycling through grief. We tend to think that grief is just about death. But grief is about this stuff too. And so you're mad. And you're, you're confused. And, and you're depressed. And then other times there's little hope, and then you're, then it gets squashed again, and there's just this like roller coaster of emotions, and we are with you as that all cycles through, as you eventually land in this place where this new normal is something that you're accepting, uh, you're just not in it by yourself. So God has entrusted to you this crisis. That doesn't mean that you're more spiritually, you know, anything than anyone else necessarily. So don't go getting all arrogant on me. But you just need to let him speak that into you. That he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. And this is something that you are ready to handle. You're not in it by yourself. And to those of you who have not flooded... Do not hear me saying that you are spiritually immature and couldn't handle it, so God kept the water away from you, okay? Because that's, that's not the case either. Because what is happening is church-wide, we have people who flooded and people who did not flood. But across the board, we're in it. You know, we're in it with each other. And so if some of you have, uh, you know, um, dry house guilt, maybe... 
Don't let that, like, make, don't feel weird about the fact that you did not flood. No one who flooded is like, man, I wish everybody had flooded. None of them wish that on us. And the people who did not flood are able to help those who did. And how all that kind of factors together is important. But we as a church are all stewarding it just in different ways. So, to the larger Living Hope family, we can handle this. We can handle this. He's been preparing us for this for a long time. We can handle what's happened and what's happening now and what's going to happen. It's all, it's, we're all dealing with this kind of, this, it's like these different like streams of, there's like mental stuff and spiritual stuff and physical stuff and emotional stuff. And all of us are just this, like all these streams are just like, Bombarded together at this point, and we aren't really sure what to do with everything that's going on internally all the time. And all we know to do is, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna help and I'm gonna do whatever I can today to try and make a difference in what's going on. You know, there's this this initial, you know, like whatever it takes nature of a crisis like this. And that was kind of the mode two weekends ago. Everybody's like, I don't, whatever we got to do, we're going we're gonna to do it. And it was a scary weekend. It was, uh, it, and it was like the longest weekend ever because it was really like six days of like other parts of the, the area maybe flooding. And there was just all this resolve that was there. And then you've been dealing with your flooded house or, or someone else's flooded house, friends and family members, and you've been... Getting after it, you've been volunteering in the times you're available to gut houses or wash clothes or prepare and deliver food or watch kids or whatever's coming along. You're, you're praying and you're thinking and you're encouraging and you're, you're trying to find those people who are affected and trying to like uh, check on them and be with them. Some of you have like went back to work as soon as possible because you know what has to keep going? The economy. Like everybody can't, every business can't shut down. Like these things have to keep going. And so some of you have been working to cover shifts for other people who are having to tend to their houses. And all these things working together, we're all just trying to figure out what's been going on. The initial response brought, brought to the surface this fact that every person in the world is created in the image of God. And so a crisis, it can kind of bring out the best in people, you know. Um, so many of the qualities of God that you, know, you see in the midst of a crisis and uh, the gospel was just embodied over and over and over again in the last two weeks by people who don't even know what the gospel is. My brother was in town. He was talking about the, you know, like all of the evacuations by boat. You know, he said, you know, he said, that's it's really just like Philippians 2, you know. I'm like, uh, what? Which happens a lot if you know Drew. He kind of, he goes like to the deep end a lot. And I don't, I don't. Um, and so he just kind of kept talking. He's like, we have, you know, you have people who were safe. And then they left their place of safety to go and to get those who were in a place of danger and then bring them back to a place of safety, just like Jesus did. You're like, yeah, yeah. He did, didn't he? Jesus was in heaven, perfectly safe, left heaven, came to earth, took on the form of a servant, laid down his life for us to bring us into a place of safety eternally, forever, and ever, and ever, and ever. And so embodiments of the gospel, do you think that the whole Cajun Navy was like, okay, guys, uh, incarnation on three, you know? No. They're like, we got boats, let's go, you know? 
Those things are, have happened, and it is amazing. And we saw a lot of the, that image bearing coming out, and, and then it's just some good old southernness, you know? There's just like this, this vibe of, that was happening, and that's really great. But there comes a point when that stuff fades away. There comes a point when that fades away. And when all that begins to subside, it's the citizens of the kingdom of God that are still in it. When people realize, hey, insurance companies aren't that great all the time. And FEMA, whatever, you know. When, when all those things begin to be realized and you see where are all the, all the relief points. Churches. Who's still going out finding people that need help? Churches. I'm not saying every church does everything right. I'm not saying our church does everything right. But the bride seems to like rise to the occasion. And she has to stay there. That is what has to continue to happen. So we can't take our foot off the gas. But he's been preparing us for this. Just like those of you who flooded, he's been preparing you. Just like these servants in this parable have been prepared by the master to steward what is most important to him in his absence. We as a church have been preparing for this. He's been training us for this. He knew this was coming. We did not know this was coming. So just like I encouraged uh, our uh, friends who have been flooded to pinpoint, let me just tell you a couple of things on my list. One would be that there are these kingdom of God concepts that we've been talking about and trying to figure out for years. We've been reading books by really smart people, and some of us have been trying to like reduce that down to like more common understanding of things for a long time. But we've been talking about the the kingdom is is about is restoration. It is it is relational. That commandment one drives you into commandment two, and commandment two is about loving your neighbor. As one of your own and what that looks like. We've been talking about hospitality and margins and serving and putting the needs of others ahead of yourself. We've been talking about this for so long and every one of those things applies right now. That God has given us some uh, of his like sanctified, maturing, growing DNA that has naturally kicked in. And now we're starting to see like, okay, I see. We've had a, a, what, 18-year run at this or whatever. And so now we've, like, okay, now I kind of see some of the things that he's been putting into place. Because he knew this was coming. We just didn't know. That's one thing. Uh, the, uh, the fact that our, we have such a relationally driven, like, church family. Like, our community groups and those kinds of things are so naturally, like, a family that it just made that an immediate response so natural. He's been preparing us through groups. Um, our experiences. Katrina really taught us a lot. I mean, from that initial... Some of you were, were around then. And you might remember, like this was before like social media was a real big thing. And, and emails and all that kind of stuff. And, and we really couldn't communicate a whole lot. And you just started to hear about people... Um, you know, Katrina didn't really mess with Baton Rouge as much as it did. It pushed people into Baton Rouge. And so as we would find out that like, there's basically any big space in Baton Rouge was a shelter, people just started to trickle into these shelters, and there's this immediate thing. And uh, I remember Brian Smith, some of you know Brian, uh, he's in Dallas now. 
he was a college student at the time. He lived in my neighborhood. We were like, let's just go, let's go to find a shelter. So we went and we were at Dillon Springs Junior High. We walk in. We're like, hey, we're here to help. And the Red Cross hadn't like taken over yet. And so they were like, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And we're like, what's the, what's the worst thing that you've been asked to do that no one has done? And they said, that man right there needs a bath. We were like, okay. And it was a 94-year-old man. Uh, he was unable to speak, so we called him Blue. And he had been, they cut him out, out of his roof. He's, no one knew his name, where he was from, nothing at all. And uh, they were like, that man, let's just say that man needs to be cleaned. And so me and Brian roll him in his wheelchair into the locker room there at Dillon Springs Junior High. And we bathed the 94-year-old man. And we were like, okay, this is what happens when like, this kind of stuff goes on. And, and everyone had stories, not quite like that, but everyone had stories where you were coming back being like, it was the crazy, I was asked to do the most bizarre things today, but you just did it. That trained us. We served for 10 weeks at the shelter at Southern University, going three or four days a week, taking care of the kids at the shelter uh, in, the, in the afternoons, and that trained us for stuff. Gustav came through. We were trained for things. All this kind of stuff um, has, has played into it. God has used those things to prepare us. Um, the fact that we have changed our name and we have a really great website that has gotten like a billion hits, uh, not really a billion, but it's gotten a lot more hits. Um, aren't you, well, I'm just very glad that we, uh, to be able to like put that out there and be like, go here. Um, Kentucky Sports Radio this week, um, it was like the lead story on their blog. Uh, Carol Marr, uh, a lot of our, uh, were, a lot of us were pastored by him when we were young. He did an interview in Dallas, Fort Worth on the evening news because he was bringing a team down and he pushed the website. And so we're getting all this traffic. The fact that we had already worked through the name chains and already, you know, gone through all that stuff and it's out there now, God was getting us ready for this because we were going to need a website that we could direct people to, um, we have all these moms with young kids who have been able to serve in the most unique ways. You're washing clothes, you're washing dishes, you're making uh, phone calls for us, you're helping coordinate things, you're opening up your homes, you're preparing meals for teams coming in. We, our church has this weird demographic thing, and that just opened up all these new possibilities that I never would have thought of, and Meg never would have thought of, and the elders never would have thought of. It came from within because God's been ingraining that in us. We have all these, uh, these former people who have been a part of the ring as a college ministry or as a church that are now other places. And they've been bringing in teams and sending in money and supplies and all these things. So people who are here that are now scattered out are funneling back into the relief efforts here. Um, we have a fairly young congregation who is not afraid to get dirty. And so going in and like tearing up houses and that kind of stuff, which sounds really disrespectful, but it's not. Um, there are, are a lot of congregations who are there. The majority of their people are past the point of physically being able to do some of that stuff. And so we're able to go in and say, Hey, we'll show up and we'll help do anything that we can do. We don't have a building. So we can't be a shelter. We can't be a, you know, a, a distribution center. We can't do all those kinds of things. So for the last two years, God's been driving us into the communities where our community groups are. And yet, it's kind of been hard to break in. And yet, here we are, busting in. Because he's been preparing us. Um, 
All these things in the progressive sanctification of him slowly making us into the kind of people who are listening to him and saying, what, what can we do? And that's not to say, look at us, look at us, and in that at all. Just saying we have to recognize that in terms of stewardship, God has been getting us ready for this. We had to pinpoint his precise leadership of us over the years, that he knew this was coming, and little by little, he's been getting us ready. Five years ago, I don't think we would have been ready. Ten years ago, definitely not ready. In his sovereignty and his goodness to us, he's known what he's doing the whole time. And the more we listen, the more we let him be our shepherd, the more we're going to experience entering into the joy of our master, like it says in the parable. So, look at verse 17, 16. It says, He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, made five talents more. So he also had the two talents, made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug, it in, the, dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Okay, so here, here's the, like I'm rounding third, heading home. Here is the... The concept that I really want us, like all of us, to be thinking about. This parable shows us something about stewardship. So you have all these people God has entrusted to us to steward. We have to think of it as a stewardship thing. Just like we think about money as a stewardship thing. Or uh, careers or you know, or marriages, that here's this thing, here's this thing very important to God. He hands it to you, says, You do what I would do if I was here, but I'm I'm gonna go over here. That Jesus is not bodily here, but he wants us to uh, tend to what is important to him. This parable gives us really kind of two ways to go. There's the good way to go, and there's the bad way to go. The good stewardship, these guys, the, the guy that they got five, he went out um, and uh like doubled what the master gave him. The guy had two, went out and doubled that. So that's the good stewardship. The bad stewardship is the guy that went and dug a hole in the ground. And he buried it. So we can go one of two ways going forward. I'm not really talking about what, what has happened so far. I'm talking about in the, in the days, in the weeks, in the months ahead. We can, we can steward it well or we can steward it poorly. We can, there can be a, a fruitfulness about our efforts, like the guy with five or the guy with two, or we can bury it in a hole, like the guy with one. So what does it mean to bury it in the ground? Uh, we could probably say a lot of things that are just really the opposite of what it means to be a good steward, so I'll do that to you. What does it mean to bury it in the ground? I, I think that the biggest concern that is probably out there for a lot of us um, is that we would guard and protect our sense of normalcy and comfort at all costs. That we would only look inward. That we would just want stuff to go back to normal. We want to hurry up and kind of like get back into our routines and all that kind of stuff and just kind of get to where we can forget what's happened and forget that there are people out there who still have wet houses. You know, forget that there are, are, are a lot of really, like, like the crisis is not over for everyone. That we would just worry about ourselves, you know, us within the Living Hope family, that kind of stuff. And that we would guard 
at all costs, our own comfort and, uh, and that kind of stuff. Because that's really what the, what the guy is doing when he goes and digs the hole. is he's, He is taking his master's money and he's wanting to bury it and, cl- and close it up so that nothing happens to it. He's unwilling to risk. He's unwilling to sacrifice. He's unwilling to have faith. There's, there is nothing about him that sees the potential of multiplying what has been entrusted to him. He just wants it to be the same. And Baton Rouge will not be the same. We will not be the same. In the, in the very best of ways. And so we cannot just look inward going forward. So what does it look like to steward it well? I think a summary idea would, would really be to see everything that we do as joining Jesus on his mission. So here's this, this natural disaster that has happened, and Jesus has infiltrated the, the communities, and we are joining him in that infiltration, that every single thing we do, the really big things maybe, and the really, really small things, all of it is about the fact that Jesus is at work, and he says, come along with me, and let's go get this done. He's allowing us to serve one another, which is tremendous. And in our service of one another, you know what's happened? Other people have heard about it. And now they want us to help them too. And that probably sounds like some sort of like, oh, look, he's saying, look, look at what happened to us. No, it's, that wasn't the plan necessarily. We started off being like, let's help each other. And so we're helping each other. And then neighbors will come over and be like, who are those people that are working so hard? Or the word would spread to, to friends and to family, and, you, and, and the request would come in of, hey, this person needs help, this person needs help. So we began to follow up with that. And there's this natural progression of what happens, and it's natural because look at verse 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over, faithful over a little. I will set you over much. That little faithfulness is rewarded not by taking a break, it's by having to work harder. It's like, awesome, you know, you guys helped, you, you guys helped the three people on this list. Cool, here's six more. Like, awesome, you helped those six. Like, cool, here's, here's 16 more. And you're like, whoa, what's going on? That's the natural progression of faithfulness and stewardship. And we got to love that. we got to want that. It's been amazing to watch the requests come in and we've handled, we've handled some, and other people have handled some. But uh, I don't have a list of like 38 people that are desperate at this point. Because God continues to supply people to take care of things. And so joining Jesus on his mission through this is how we have to see all of this stuff. With everything you put your hands to, you're bringing the kingdom near to people. And you might think, what's the, what, you know, what's the big deal? You know, I just... I made some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I brought them to those people who were annoyed that they had to stop working and eat because daylight's burning and all that kind of stuff. And they were they were grateful, but they that probably what was the big deal in that? From every person got in a house that was given a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, thank you. It was like like just like Jesus, just you're just consuming that. You know, it was like this amazing, amazing thing to have people care enough to make sure that you wanted. To have food, just the way all those different things that fit together, every single bit of it is bringing the kingdom near. So we cannot chalk it up to just being southern. It can't just be like, oh, well, we're just being neighborly. You know, it's like, no, this is about the kingdom coming near in peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and in clean laundry and in people just asking how you're doing and walking over and saying, do you need some help? Every little thing happens. 
Every bit of it is about bringing the kingdom near, and we've got to get on board if we're not, but I kind of feel like we are. Don't you feel like we are? I feel like we are. We cannot let the enemy come in and say, that's not important, that doesn't really count. So whether you are covered in sheetrock dust all the time, or whether you're, just, you're going to work and you're kind of frustrated because you're like at work and you're not able to get out and do those things, but you know it's important to keep working, And you know that there are people that you're covering for and that kind of stuff. Whatever the situation, every single bit of it is all of us working together to bring the kingdom near. So we can't be shy and we can't back off and we and we can't we can't just bury this in the ground. I'm not saying that we have. I am saying that we won't. So we're gonna keep we're gonna keep our foot on the gas. We're gonna keep pushing. And keep asking God, how can we steward it more and more and more? Because there are still houses that are wet. There, there are. And there is counseling and listening to be done with people who, uh, who have lost so much. We want to help with planning. We want to help with budgeting. We want to help you figure out how do you stretch this FEMA money you know, super, super far. A lot of us are about to learn a lot about hanging sheetrock and uh, you know, putting in toilets and like all these kinds of things that we're about to help each other do and figure it out because we want to help you rebuild. We want to help you move in. We want to like come to the first event that you have at your house after all this is over with. And we want to do all those things for one another and for complete strangers. Yesterday we went to nine houses. There are nine houses on the list that we were able to cover and not a one of them are people who are in this room. Maybe, unless you're here, which, in which case, glad that you're here. But probably, they're not here. It's not just about us taking care of each other. It's about that outwardness. It's about that stewardship that when God crosses our paths, we go for it. Here's the last point. What's the difference between the guy with five and the guy with two, and the, like those two guys, and then the guy with one? It really comes down to a correct understanding of the master. The guy, the guy that, dug it, that dug a hole and buried it in the ground, the master was like, hey, what's going on here? He's like, well, I, you know, I knew that you were this and this, and, and I was afraid of you, so I, you know, this is how I handled it. The other two guys, what does the master say to them? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, now I'm going to put you over much. Come enter, enter the joy of your master. The guy that had one talent, he didn't really know the character of the master. The other two guys, they're like, no, we, we know him. He means business about the things that he values and treasures. And so we're going to get after it. And they got to enter into his joy. And we, as Living Hope, are going to do everything we can to enter into and remain in the joy of our Father and stewarding people and opportunities well. And so, if you want to know what the, what the idea to walk away with is, I can't really summarize the whole sermon. Just know this, we're not going to dig a hole and bury this in the ground and wait for Jesus to come back. We're going to keep at it. There will be a fruitfulness to the things we put our hands to in every way possible. And so I hope, I hope that we're in it together. And like I keep saying, I feel like we are. I just kind of felt that it just needed to be spoken and maybe have a passage of Scripture we could tie it back to. And in the, in the communication going forward and all these things, we just need to recognize that Jesus is he's using this tragedy 
to communicate some really deep and beautiful things to people. All right, let's stand up. I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly this fits in with everybody. Um, but the fact that God is at work in our midst is pretty spectacular. The fact that he's been preparing us for a long time as individuals and as friends and as community groups and as a church family and, and just however you want to like connect all those dots together, he's been getting us ready. His precision and his goodness are overwhelming to us. And so and it's not unique to the flood. I mean, like Jesus' whole incarnation and the cross and all those things to show God's perfect leadership and timing and his goodness to us. So before we were, would respond to like, we're not going to do this, but there was some like big sign-up thing to go into the communities and work or all these different things that we've had going on. That's not the response that we're looking for in terms of stewardship. Coming to the communion table is, is like the place to start. Maybe you don't want to do that tonight, and that's totally fine. But that's one of the ways that we're going to respond here in a minute. Meg's going to come, and she's going to serve communion over here on this side. Um, you'll come up, you'll, you'll rip the bread off, you'll dip it in the juice. Um, and that response is Jesus is saying, hey, I have all the grace that you need. I've been giving you the grace to get you ready for this. I have all the grace that you need going forward. Do you want what I have, am holding out to you? And when you come to the table, you're, you're recognizing Jesus has what I need. And yes, I want it. And he joyfully, joyfully shares his life with you. Um, the steps down here will be open for, for prayer. We're going to sing a little bit and respond. Um, but let's really, let's just let the Lord kind of process this stuff with us in these closing moments together before we're then sent back out uh, into uh, everything out there. So let me pray for us.